Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Talk Before Kickoff podcast. Jared Alator, your host, and we got a good one for you today, previewing the homecoming game between Kansas versus Oklahoma State at Boone Pickens Stadium this upcoming Saturday. Joining us today will be Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. We'll talk to him about his inspirations as a play-by-play man, like Kevin Harlan and Jim Nance, the crazy scene in Lawrence last weekend, what he sees on what could happen in this weekend's game, as well as the Kansas basketball program and the guys he has gotten to call and Cade Cunningham. We'll also talk about him in the episode. Okay, folks, joining us now is the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jared. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Absolutely. Doing very well today. Uh, It was a crazy week of college football in Ames, Iowa, but it, it doesn't even compare to what happened in Lawrence, Kansas, but we'll get into that crazy affair in just a few moments. But going into you, and you've been the radio voice of the Jayhawks since 2016, is that correct? Yep, this is my sixth year back at my alma mater. I was at Texas Tech before that, but uh, living the dream back here at home in Kansas. Absolutely. A great scene to be back in your alma mater, and I bet there's no other feeling like it. But my first question to you is, what made you want to get into radio broadcasting? You know, I think like a lot of kids uh, growing up, you had the dream of being a professional athlete someday. Certainly my generation was the Michael Jordan era generation, and I would shoot hoops on the driveway, uh, imagining that I was joining Michael in the uh, twilight of his career and had the dream of playing at KU before getting drafted by the Bulls and all that. Then comes the harsh reality around 16 years of age or so when I realized, you know, I'm okay, but I'm... I'm a far cry from D1 talent and certainly a pipe dream from the NBA. And so I started to think about what could I do to stay close to the game? What's some way I could carve out a career and earn a living in sports? And I always kind of had the gift of gab. And so I started to uh, practice calling games off the old 8-bit Nintendo. I know you probably grew up on PS4s (laughs) and stuff like that, but on the old 8-bit Nintendo, I'd set it to computer mode on RBI Baseball and uh, simulate doing games like that when I was just a freshman or sophomore in high school and ended up getting a chance to do some local public access TV stuff when I was 17 and some radio stations heard me and gave me chances at a really, really young age. So I was super blessed throughout the process and fell in with the right people that were super supportive of me and encouraging of my career, some people in the industry like Ryan Lefevre, the uh, TV voice of the Royals, and Tom Hedrick, my broadcast mentor at KU, who's a former voice of the Chiefs and Royals, and then Kevin Harlan even, a guy that was really uh, an inspiration and instrumental in helping me get this job back at KU. So, so many folks to thank, but it, it just uh, kind of all started with the realization, Jared, that uh, I wasn't going to cut it as Michael Jordan's wingman, so I better find something else to do to earn a living in sports. You know, uh, I like that you said that, you know, being involved in such a great era like that. And I know that people, uh, even like me, uh, wanting to be a play-by-play guy, even in in the future, you grow up with the guys like Kobe now and LeBron and uh, Dirk and Tim Duncan and all that. And it's it's just an incredible thing to watch going from different generations of play. And uh, I know you had mentioned the PS4, and while I, I can admit I'm, I'm definitely on that, I think that for my sake and for what 
my peers got into it and I think they got into PS2s. That's the earliest system that I had. I think All-Star Baseball 2003 might have actually been the very first video game that I ever played. And uh, it's it's definitely a, a change in the announcing and graphics and everything. And it's, it's just crazy to see, honestly. And it, you just had named some of the people that helped you out and everything. Who are some of the other sports casters uh, on the national networks or even the regional networks that uh, have inspired you to be where you're at today? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, I think Kevin Harlan to me is the gold standard. He's, he's the guy that I think does the best job of selling up the excitement of each individual play and the vocal inflection in his voice that rises to meet the magnitude of the moment is as good as anybody in the business. But, uh, but there's a bunch of other guys that, uh, that I love listening to, uh, whether it's, it's radio play by play calls or, or TV guys. I think amongst the younger generation of announcers, guys closer to my age, Adam Amin does an amazing job and he's mm. really climbed the ladder quickly and I really respect and admire his approach um I, I think that uh other names you know obviously i grew up listening to bob costas through the nba finals he was always an inspiration chris berman uh with his creativity hosted nfl prime time with all of his nicknames that was an inspiration back in the day but in terms of, of the modern day play-by-play guys uh you know kevin kugler of westwood one adam amin kevin harlan obviously these are some of my very very favorites and then you know one thing about kevin harlan and jim nance who i had a chance to meet back in 2018 when ku played duke in the elite eight mm-hmm. these are guys that are icons within our industry and yet both of them as humble and approachable and down to earth as you could possibly be uh and that's something that obviously you know i i hope to to strive to be the same type of, of uh, person interacting fans and that kind of thing and I'm not even close to the platform that those two have but you want to be engaging not only on the air but uh, c- certainly down to earth and, and super approachable off of it and I was just blown away with how humble and uh, relatable both those guys were in meeting with them one on one and I think that's something that every up and coming announcer who dreams big dreams of aspiring to big stages like those two should always keep in perspective no matter how big you climb to in your career you should still be grateful for that platform and grateful for anybody that gives you the time of day to tune in and listen to what you have to say absolutely i look up to jim to joe buck even some of the older generations like when pat summerall was with john madden uh, definitely some some great videos and some great content that all those guys have but very good for uh, that resume. I think that it's uh, it's the dream. It's honestly living the dream. Going toward the game last Saturday, it was a crazy one. KU Athletics tweeted out that fan admission would be free starting in the fourth quarter. What was the fan intensity of the game compared from the beginning of the game to halftime and on into the second half? I was just watching from my TV right in this in my place where I'm at right now. But, you know, you're in the booth and everything, and you can see exactly what's going on. And honestly, a lot of empty seats at the beginning of the games. I saw a lot of red shirts that definitely felt like it changed uh, later on in the game. But what did you see from your end? 
Yeah, that was wild. I've never seen a situation like that where they just opened the gates up. But I love the move by Travis Goff and our athletic department to get folks in there when we were on the brink of doing something historic. And that's the way it's going to be, I I think, for the next year or two as as folks gradually come back around to supporting this program week in and week out. They've been through so much in the last 13 seasons of Kansas being at the bottom of the Big 12. You're not going to have capacity or even half-capacity crowds. So on a day where certainly attendance started out pretty bleak to see it build steadily over the course of the day. And I, I think the student section in particular doubled from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. And some of that maybe was just the students getting out of bed a little bit later. But, uh, you know, by the time uh, halftime rolled around, it was a completely different vibe in there. And the crimson and cream clad fans that you did reference seeing, uh, they didn't have much to cheer about. So while they were there in big numbers, that they, they weren't making a ton of noise as Kansas kept Oklahoma shut out at the half. They had just eight minutes of, of time of possession. In, in the uh, first half to the Sooners and the Jayhawks ball control offensive philosophy really paid off big time and, and it proved to be a tremendous strategy. Unfortunately, the you know, second half didn't go our way and, and there were a lot of key plays down the stretch that um, easily could have gone a different direction. There were several key calls that went against Kansas that folks have been up in arms about the last few days. But just to be that close and, and be in it meant the world considering the previous week on our homecoming game with Texas tech it was not at all close or competitive and so that to me shows how much these players are still bought in how much uh, the leadership and the direction that Lance Leipold has this thing headed is something to truly be excited about and hopefully it's the type of performance that even though it didn't result in a win on that day uh, gives Kansas some confidence in heading into its last five games and will eventually get them back in the winner's circle before the season's done. This game this week with Oklahoma State is like our toughest remaining game. We also have to go to Texas later in the season, but in terms of the rankings and the road venue and all that, this is probably our toughest remaining opponent. And so hopefully Kansas can uh, you know, take some of those individual momentum gains and confidence gains from last week and parlay it into a nice performance down in Stillwater. But looking at the recent history and how some of these games have been played down there, it's certainly going to be a tall order on Saturday night. Yeah, you had touched about the pace of the game for the Kansas offense. And for a long while, that's exactly what Jason Bean did. Devin Neal ran for 100 yards. Mike Gundy said yesterday this would be a fourth quarter game. With the momentum riding for uh, Lance and for Kansas, I mean, what would you see this game? Or how would you see this game going? Well, I hope that's the case. I hope we're within striking distance heading into the fourth. So many of the games in recent memory down in Stillwater have not had that type of competitiveness. And obviously facing Oklahoma State coming off their first loss of the year is an unenviable task for any team. But, but yeah, if Kansas can move the chains and get the version of Jason Bean that we saw on Saturday versus Oklahoma, which is what we saw throughout non-conference play, then the Jayhawks can absolutely – you know, put a scare into just about anybody on their remaining schedule because when Bean's got it working as a dual-threat quarterback that's electric quick with his feet and was making some tremendous throws on the run and helping Kansas convert a ton of third downs versus the Sooners, 
that's what makes us competitive. Uh, we're not yet in our program's development where we can, you know, go out there and, and only score once a half and expect to stay in a game because we're leaning on our defense. Our defense is really young. They're growing up before our eyes right now, but throughout the linebacking core and secondary, it's a young group. And so uh, they need an offense that's at least playing complementary football enough to hold the ball for a couple of first downs on each series, moving the chains, flipping the field, that kind of thing. Where Kansas has gotten in trouble versus Baylor and Iowa State and Texas Tech is when the offense stalls out after three plays. They're putting the defense right back out on the field in difficult spots field position-wise. And that's when you saw some of these scores really pile up against KU. So to me, the key is, is seeing that offensive success sustained with Jason Bean and, and Devin Bean and also Kwame Lasseter and Trevor Wilson in the receiving core. If they do that, then I think they can be competitive. But as I said, you know, historically, looking at some of the recent trips down there, um, it's it's been a tough task going to Stillwater. I think, uh, you know, the, the the recent stretch for Kansas, just within the series alone, last win coming back in 2007, I mean, that was the Mark Mangino era in our our famous 12-1 and season that resulted in an Orange Bowl championship. KU has not won since, and in going down there, it's, it's usually been by big numbers, you know, like uh, 58-17 or 58-10 or 42-6. And so if they can be competitive and truly have a fourth quarter game like you talked about, Mike Gundy referencing, that to me feels like sustained progress for Kansas. And not that we're in the business of moral victories or anything, but at this stage in the program's development under a first-year head coach with 69 freshmen and sophomores, if they could go down there and compete and, and just keep this thing within striking distance, I think a lot of folks would feel pretty dang good about that. So we'll see what Saturday night brings, but certainly looking forward to seeing this Kansas team hopefully continue to get better week by week. 38.5-point favorites OU was on Saturday, and Kansas completely shattered anybody who had covered that. So where Oklahoma stayed, uh, they are riding the momentum of their defense right now and it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one I, I think it's going to be one where uh where kansas is going to be obviously underlooked in this game but mike gundy says it could be a fourth quarter matchup uh, with oklahoma state trying to come back from that loss against iowa state i think it could definitely i could definitely see it being a fourth quarter game like mike gundy has said now going to some memorable Kansas basketball games. I mean, you know, obviously very well, you, so you're on the mater, you're at Kansas right now. And you've seen some of the guys that have gone pro like Marcus Garrett, Adzabuki, Dotson, Makai Luke, and many others, Frank Mason. What's it been like to call the games of so many guys that have gone to the pros? Yeah, it's it's a blast every year. I mean, I, I think uh, Joe Lenardi wrote today on ESPN.com that no program in America is as consistently uh, built to contend for Final Fours and national championships every season as often as Kansas is. And he's right. I mean, you, you look at the, the streak of, of you know, 30 NCAA tournament appearances. Bill Self's had nine one-seeds 
in his 18 seasons here, had a stretch at one point of uh, nine out of 13 years. Had we had a bracket come out in uh, in 2020 when we would have been the number one overall national seed. I mean, that's unbelievable regular season dominance and consistency. And in and, and route to that, as you said, there's a lot of guys that have gone pro. Devontae Graham, probably my favorite uh, in the era that mm. I've been back just because he was such a great guy off the court in addition to being a great leader on it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, tremendous talent every year. And while not all of these guys go on to have the NBA success of a Joel Embiid, a lot of them are having long, lucrative careers based on the great coaching they had here at Kansas, their own individual talents and work ethic. And, and they've become really good Jayhawk ambassadors in the pros. So that's great to see. But, uh, but yeah, we, we definitely got a lot of guys on NBA rosters as the NBA season starts up this year. And a guy just down the road from you in Oklahoma City uh, in the front office now, Nick Collison, who's doing some great things in a front office role after being Mr. Thunder over the course of his uh, illustrious Oklahoma City career. So a lot of great Jayhawk representation at the next level for sure. Definitely. And for Nick Collison, a a guy much beloved here in the state of Oklahoma. And uh, I'm glad you had mentioned Devontae Graham starting his new campaign with the New Orleans Pelicans, I think he's going to be a tremendous asset for them. And then even for another rookie that you've seen play just last year, Cade Cunningham, what are the things that you saw from him and and just the, the intensity of uh, how he has changed recruiting for Oklahoma State? It seems like at least for uh, the next few years. What was it like to see him play? Well, he was – so impressive and every bit as dynamic as advertised. A, a guy that uh, you know, a lot of times players that have that hype, they're kind of great athletes that just look to score. But to me, he was such a good passer and did so many things to fill the entire stat sheet, which is what made him such an impressive talent beyond simply being a guy that could beat you off the bounce and get his shot whenever he wanted it. He did other things to make all five guys on the floor as good as they could be. And that, to me, is what made him such a great player. But excited to watch his future unfold with the Pistons. One of my good friends is, is on the, uh, the TV broadcast crew, and, and he and I have been trading texts on their excitement up in the Motown about Cade. So can't wait to see what that looks like in his future. And, and certainly as someone that uh, you know has enjoyed watching Mike Boynton's success because Mike's such a good guy, he's so humble and down-to-earth uh, away from basketball, I, I'm happy anytime I see his program do well or representatives of his program do well because uh, certainly he's a, a class act that really represents our league well. So I'll be cheering for Cade for sure. And uh, certainly looking forward to seeing what uh, life after Cade looks like for a still very talented Oklahoma State team, especially with Bryce Thompson added to the mix. So that's going to be fun to see. Very true. Right. And I think folks in Stillwater will be, uh, will be expecting that Kansas talent to uh, boil over here to Stillwater, as well as the folks here just uh, ever so excited to see Cunningham in a, in a Pistons uniform. They're expecting him to do a lot of great things this season, and I'm excited to see it. But as for right now, Mr. Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, thank you so much for joining me today on the Talk Before Kickoff podcast. Okay, folks, that was Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. We'd like to thank Brian once again for having some time to talk to us today. For Kansas, they were 38.5-point underdogs against OU. 
whoever had OU covering that game, understand it. But Kansas shattered that cover completely with OU only winning by 12. But it was a tough one for OU to get through. One of the toughest for them this season. For Oklahoma State, if they have a time where they're struggling on the offensive side and it's Kansas controlling the possession like they did in the first half against OU, it'll be interesting to say the least. I think that'll be an understatement. But for Oklahoma State, they have Kansas in the 100th edition of the homecoming game this Saturday night. For Brian, we thank you again. Jerry Alator signing off. We'll have many more guests for you this season. Have a good one, folks.